Likuti Sicha is Chelik Tazayin, Volume 16, the fourth Sicha for Parsha Shmois. This is a very actual and primary directive lesson that we learn out from the story of Moshe and Aaron, the first time that they came to Paray to demand from him that he should let the Bnei Yisrael leave Mitzrayim. So the Rebbe begins in the Sicha, <clears throat> our Parsha, chapter 5, verse 4, Perikei, it says, So the king of Egypt said to them, in response to their demand that they leave the Yid, that they let the Eden go, he said to them, Why do you, Moshe and Aaron, distract the people from their tasks? Go to your labors. So to Moshe and Aaron, he says, go to your labors. So the Chazal, our sages in the Mesrish, they emphasize that it doesn't say, go to their labors. Because remember, he was telling me about the people. Let, why are you distracting the people from their tasks? So it would follow that he should say, go to their, go, like, kind of go join them in their work. Rather, what does it say? Say it, point out the sages, that it says, you should go to your labors, to your tasks. But from this, the Chazal conclude that the tribe of Levi was actually exempt from all this hard, back-breaking labor. They were not actively enslaved. And the Ramban explains this, this phenomenon, that he says there is a custom in every nation that they have their scholars and their teachers, you know, to study and, 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 and teach the people. And therefore, Pare freed, he exempted Shevet Levi from the enslavement, because they were the factual or actual elders and sages, the, the, the scholars of the Jewish people. And this is what Pari meant. When he said, he said, go to your tasks of learning and teaching and leave them alone. In other words, Pari argued to Moshe and Aaron, it should suffice, it's enough that you are able to study Torah, not only are you able to study Torah, but perhaps you're even able to teach Torah to the Jewish people. Why are you mixing in into the day-to-day -day life of the Jewish people? And why are you arguing that and trying to make changes that they shouldn't follow the normal, so to speak, order as dictated by the government? Now in the Zohar, the Zohar tells us that the intellect that's the philosophy of Egypt, was, quote, was above all other nations. In other words, they were a step above. They were very wise people. And to add to that, Pare was an extremely genius person. He was a very smart person. So if you think about it, the, the truth is that the argument that Pare was making actually is a sensible one. It's a logical one. It's a rational one. Number one, if you think about the circumstances that the Yidin were in at that time, First of all, there was absolutely no chance whatsoever in them being able to leave Egypt. Because we know, as the sages tell us, that Egypt was such a place that even, quote, one slave could not escape from there. In other words, there was no way out. Moreover, and here's the second argument, not only, so to speak, from a, from a physical, natural perspective, but also from a sp more spiritual perspective, Hashem... When he told Avram Avinu that his descendants will be enslaved, 
He told them they're going to be enslaved for 400 years. And therefore, the argument of Pari is, why are you making problems? What are you mixing into things here? It's not even 400 years. There's so many hundreds of years ahead of us still. Stop mixing in. Stop bothering the Jewish people. You stick to your learning. You stick to your Torah. And let them do what they have to do. Let them go according to, quote, Seder HaOlam, according to the noble order of things in the world, and, 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 and stop mixing in. And this is what we say, that although he had a very logical, a very rational argument, but at the end of the day, whose argument is it? Who is it coming from? It's coming from Pare. This is the logic of Pare. And Chas V'Shalom, if they would have accepted it, his argument, we would have still been in Mitzrayim. Because we know that the Yidin had to leave in a very specific time. That was the only window opportunity. And as we say in Haggadah, had we not left then, we would have still been enslaved in Egypt. And in fact, that is the reason why when they actually left, they, have to, they had to leave in haste. They could not delay it. They had to leave in that time. That was the window of opportunity. So we understand, and of course we have a better appreciation retroactively, that had they listened to Pare's argument, which was a rational one, which was a logical one, we would have been, become stuck in Egypt. And because, specifically because, they refused to listen to him. They were... They were akshanim. They became stubborn and they didn't listen to him. That's why at the end we were zeichet to the geula. We merited to get uh, redeemed from Egypt. True. The tr- it, it's true that the argument was a true one. In other words, the argument that 400 years didn't pass yet was true. But we know that the Jews are not bound by limitations or constraints of nature. Even those imposed, so to speak, by Hashem put into nature. And therefore, at the end of the day, what happened? As the Chazal tell us, we say it in the Haggadah, that we thank Hashem that he was delay gesakest. He fast-forwarded. He skipped over so many hundreds of years and took us out of Mitzrayim, much less than 400 years of enslavement. What is the lesson for us, says the Rebbe? A Jew, it's, it's, for, it's forbidden for a Jew to think, quote, I study Torah. I'm okay. I'm involved in Torah learning. And more, moreover, sometimes perhaps I even give classes to others in Torah and so on. Why should it matter to me if there's another Jew that is not fulfilling Torah mitzvahs, is fulfilling Torah, is not fulfilling Torah mitzvahs? I mean, I, why should it matter to me that there's another Jew maybe who instead of dedicating his energy to Hashem, he's dedicating his energy, God forbid, to the world or to the Pari Melech Mitzrayims of the world. says the Rebbe, you need to know, it must be clear, that this type of philosophy, this type of approach, is the approach of Pari and Mitzrayim. The approach, quote, saying it's enough, it suffices that you learn and that you're keeping Torah Mitzvahs, it shouldn't really bother you so much that there is or there isn't another Jew who is not yet keeping Torah mitzvahs. But Moshe and Aaron did not accept this argument. The Moshe and Aaron's did not allow themselves to become convinced that it's not, quote, it's quote, not their problem. And the Rebbe says, just like when you see, for example, Chas Visholem, a, a Jew's home is on fire. You walk by a Yid's home and it's on fire. It's, it's obvious that a normal person, a normal Jew, is not going to stop and, number one, think, you know, do I have a right to mix in or not? 
And do I need to, number two, do I need to do anything? Do I not to do anything? Am I the guy who has to do something? It's obvious, it's clear that as soon as you see something like that happening, any normal sane Jew would jump into action right away and do whatever is possible to put out that fire to save not only lives, but to save property. And of course, no one's going to make the argument, listen, if Hashem wants the house to be on fire, who am I to mix in? You understand? If Hashem made it so that that house should burn right now, in this moment, everything is the divine providence, what right do I have to mix in? It's obvious, again, that a Jew will certainly jump into action and do whatever possible to save that property, to save that Jew's home. So if this is the case when it comes to what we call chaye oilam, the life of the world, of, of physical life, how much more so should this attitude be, this approach when it comes to Chaye Oilam Haba, when it comes to the life of a Jew, which concerns the Jew's future and the Jew's connection to Hashem, to the spiritual connection and to Oilam Haba. And the Rebbe says that the Friedrich Rebbe, the previous Rebbe said in the name of the Baal Shem Tov, that the obligation that we have for Abbas Yisrael, is not only to a Jew that you know, not only to a Jew that you're acquainted with, but a, even to a Jew that lives, that exists in the other end, the other corner of the world, that you've never met in your life, even to him you have, an, to him or her, we have the obligation of a haftarecha And the love has to be, not just the love, okay, I generally love every single Jew, but the same way it applies to a Jew that you know, that it has to be kamoicha, just like you, so too it has to be to a Jew that you've never met. That it has to be kamoicha, that you have a love for this Jew without any limits, without any bounds, without any whatsoever limits. And furthermore, the, the um, previous Rebbe related the power of Abbas Yisrael, that the Maggid of Mizrich related, and he said, Halavai, that means he wishes that for himself, that we should kiss the Sefer Torah with the same love, with the same uh, 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 cherishness, with the same, with the, I'm sorry, with the same love, with the same attitude that the Baal Shem Tov kissed another Jew, that the Baal Shem Tov showed to another Jew. And the Maggid added to that, and he said, had the Baal Shem Tov known while he was still alive here in this world, what he knows now being up there in the Milo, the effect of his Abbas Yisrael, and what it did to bring Jews closer to Yiddishkeit, he would, done, he would have done it even more and in a totally different level. So this tells us that the Kamoicha, that when you have to love another Jew just like yourself, has to be, it has to get expressed that just like you have your quote, your tasks, you have your Sivloi Seichem, which is your Torah, your Tefillah, your Mitzvahs, so too you have to see to it that also another Yid, regardless of where that Jew lives, regardless if you know them or not, also that it reaches them and that they also have a chance to taste Torah, Tefillah, and Mitzvahs. Now, since Hashem does not give us tasks tasks that are impossible for us to do, as it says, So it's certain, it's obvious that the necessary resources were given to us to be able to implement this. And just like in Mitzrayim, it was forbidden to push it off. Remember we said, Moish and Aaron said, no, we cannot push this off. The time is now. Now is when we have to begin the process of getting Jews out of Egypt. So too, and, and if not, they would have been, remained stuck in Egypt. So too now, we cannot push this off and we need to act right now. And this is the lesson to all of us including, or perhaps especially, to those who had the opportunity, had the privilege to learn in yeshiva, and they're actively learning in yeshiva, 
that when you see another Jew that has for whatever reason, they're lacking uh, the appreciation or even the knowledge or the awareness of the oil of Torah, the light of Torah mitzvahs. You're not allowed to say, well, look, I'm okay, I'm fine. No, you need to know, one should really think about the fact that all Jews are considered to be, quote, that we're all like one whole body. And when something is lacking in the body, there's an affection in one part of the body, or something's wrong in one part of the body, it affects the entire body. And therefore, if another Jew is missing that connection to Torah and mitzvahs, then it's not that you're okay. You're not okay. You're also now lacking a, your, part of your connection to Torah and mitzvahs. And the Rebbe concludes, it says, in the Parshas Nitzavim, which we read before Rosh Hashanah, it says, Atem Nitzavim Hayoim Kulchem Lefnei Hashem Lekeichem. It says, you are all standing all together as one. And this is where the idea, the Alter Rebbe explains this idea that we're all like one body. We're all like one one. Uh, one existence together, and we all complement each other, and we all need each other. And then it spells out Rosheichem, Shifteichem, the heads of your tribes, and enumerates all the various levels, all the tiers in society, until the, the lowest, the Chaytev Eitzecha Vishayvimecha, the woodchoppers and the water drawers. And, and the Rebbe gives as an example. Think of it this way when you have, let's say, a lineup, a parade, where the king comes to inspect the troops. So it's obvious that all the troops, they, they make sure that their uniforms are spick and span. And that even the buttons are shining. Everything is beautiful. The shoes, everything is polished properly. Everything is in exact order. Imagine if there's a soldier that his buttons or something is not shining, is not so, is not exactly the way it should be. Who's going to get it over the head, says the Rebbe? Who's going to have to answer for it? It's not the individual soldier so much that's going to get reprimanded. It's the head commanders that are going to get a chewing out because they're the ones in charge. They're the ones who take responsibility. So likewise, when it comes to Atan Nitzavim Ayan Kulchem, that we're all body, one body, and we all have to care for each other, who really carries this obligation? Who really carries the weight of this responsibility. It's actually the Rashaychem Shechteichem, the heads of the tribes. Those who are the heads, the Rabbanim, the people who are in Yeshiva, the Frumayidin, those are the people that need to take charge and need to know that it's their responsibility and not leave it for, obviously, for the lowest tier, for the the simpletons, who as it is barely know anything about Torah and Mitzvahs. And the Rebbe concludes that when we're going to, if we behave in such a manner, then he brings from the, um, from the Amida of the high holidays of the Yom Nidoim, Roshan Yom Kippur, where we say, that we're all going to make one Aguda, we're going to be all joined together as one. And then the Rebbe says we will merit the second half of that prayer, of that verse, which is, to do your will with our whole hearts, which is that the world will come to recognize Hashem Echad with the Geula Hashlema.